It was exit interview day for the Pacers on Monday. What was learned by what the players said? What wasn't learned? What's important heading into next season? We'll get to it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, lots to get into from Exit Interview Day in the St. Vincent Center earlier today. Got to hear from all 17 rostered players and Rick Carlisle about the Pacers' season about what they need to grow going into next season, and just some random important thoughts, all of which will be wrapped up into today's podcast. I have themed what I believe to be the two biggest takeaways in the first two segments, and in the third segment, random points that may sound random, but I think were the most important or surprising things, right? Sometimes some of this ex-interview stuff can be cookie cutter. I want to work on my shooting kind of stuff, but everything that's noteworthy or unique, I will get to you in the final segment. Kevin Pritchard talks Today, Tuesday, if you're listening the day this comes out, we will, of course, have a podcast breaking that down tomorrow. But let's dive right into what I consider to be the biggest theme from Exit Interview Day. And this won't be a surprise to anyone who watched the Pacers more than maybe twice this season. The Pacers all recognize, and that was the talk amongst themselves and to media, that they must get better on defense. Absolutely must. It was Rick Carlisle's opening statements, basically. We must get better defensively. He said they've got to reduce their fouling. They've got to get better on the defensive glass. And he said, this is where the offseason part comes in. They're going to have to look at every conceivable possibility via the draft or free agency to get that rebounding and defense. So some of it is they've got to get better at these skills. That's why he listed out the skills they've got to get better at. And some of it is they need players who are better at these skills that the Pacers are atrocious at. This is no surprise, again, to anyone who followed this team all season. They were once again one of the worst teams in the league defensively after the All-Star break. Absolutely atrocious. Two years ago, last in the league after the All-Star break. This year, they finished 26th in defense, 117.1 defensive rating on the season. And from the All-Star break to the end of the season, the Pacers finished with a 122.4 defensive rating. Guess what? That was once again the worst defense in the NBA from the All-Star break to the end of the season. That's two seasons in a row that's happened. Sure, a lot of guys have been out for both stretches, one Miles Turner being among them, but that's significant, right? This team did not have, has not had for two straight seasons the capabilities to defend for 82 games or defend well at all over the course of a season. So while they did take significant offensive strides and look like a better team, and we'll talk about some of the positives in the second segment, I think the leading takeaway for me from Mike's interviews was the defense, that everybody was talking about it and that it was sort of the buzz of the team in terms of this is what needs to happen. For example, Andrew Nembard was talking about how the time it will take for this team to grow defensively. But, you know, a lot of guys tried to diagnose it. Here are the things we need to fix. Here are the skills, the traits, whatever. For Andrew Nembard, it's about caring, right? He's already a good defender. His arms are super active. He's super good at staying in front of guys. I use the word super twice, so why not do it again? Uh, care. I typed care. He just said care. I typed it in all caps. Energy, effort, right? The intangibles. He's very good at that stuff. But everybody has to be good at it because I think Miles Turner said it best right? The system and team part of defense is really important. And we'll get to how the Pacers can get better at this stuff as this segment progresses. But he said a quote, 
If one guy is lacking, everybody needs to cover. And that's where this Pacers team had so many of their issues this year is they had a lot of guys who couldn't quite cover one-on-one. Whether they were too slow or not quite the best one-on-one defender or had a matchup that was a bit over their head from a talent perspective, there's a million reasons. But they couldn't often guard their yard or stand in front of their guy or whatever phrase you like. And when that happens, someone else has to help or someone else has to cover for you. And you have to X out somewhere else or rotate or whatever. And that's all fine. Teams have to do that all the time. The problem is with a young team or with a team full of maybe some lacking team defenders or just less communication or a younger team in general, they're not necessarily the best at that rotation part of defense and all that kind of stuff. And so the first breakdown is way harder to cover than it would be on other teams. And even if it is covered, guess what? Now there's a breakdown somewhere else and it snowballs and snowballs. When this Pacers team was really dialed in, really dialed in and healthy, their best stretch for about a month from late November to late December, they were like 10th in defense, right? Like there are there are some points of evidence that say completely dialed in, this team is okay defensively. They had an easier schedule in November. So I'm not going to say that they were ever a top 10 defense. The numbers say so, but the eye test and my brain says no. But there is evidence that they're much better than the worst defense in the league for a month and a half stretch or the 26th ranked defense, but not consistently. And that is a big part of this problem, too, is getting better consistently on that end of the floor. Right. Jalen Smith noted defense has to be a huge, huge emphasis for this team in the offseason. Buddy Heald says defensive issues. We got him. We got to fix him. He said it's about the phrase that I just used guarding your yard and communication. I think that's another one, too. Right. You don't really have to. Like you have to communicate defensively coming up as a basketball player, but it's not like a a highly emphasized skill trait to grow. It's hard to communicate, right? TJ McConnell is amazing at it. And it's one of the many reasons he's a great defender, but it can be tough, especially a bunch of new guys and new terminology. And oh my gosh, you have to soak in all these NBA things. I don't want to excuse anything, but like the Pacers had a lot of communication stuff. They'll have to improve defensively, right? O'Shea Brissett's diagnosis of the Pacers defense got to stay in front of the guys in front of you, right? That's, you could go on and on about that. But some other stuff that stood out about the defensive talk, right? I'm going to listen to TJ McConnell because I view him as a good defender and a guy who can be a good defender despite his tiny size. He knows what's needed. He's a great communicator. He's a great leader. He said they need to be on the same page defensively and communicate to improve on defense and follow the game plan. Another hard thing for new players in the NBA and a whole team new together is that part of it, right? Learning how to execute a game plan, how to do it together, how to work through problems, all sorts of that kind of stuff. But again, this comes down to the communication part. Again, got to be on the same page of communicating. Otherwise, these rotation breakdowns just happen over and over and over. And that's why the Pacers gave up 130 or more points in almost a quarter of their games, right? They were not defending well. They were not able to stop drives because their rotations were poor. And when they did, they gave up open threes and just felt like there were so many games where they just literally could not get stops. So it's hard to find a player that didn't talk about defense, right? I highlighted some of the stuff players talked about in certain colors to know what to say from segment to segment for this show. But as I'm scrolling through, right, there's just yellow, which is my defense color. Absolutely everywhere, right? This is a thing that the Pacers clearly recognize they need to fix internally. And they try that late in the season, put Benedict Matherin on the stars, have Nembard be the head of the snake. Let's Jalen Smith clearly grew defensively to me in the last couple of weeks. I even wrote about it. Right, There was some stuff there. 
But those defensive improvements still were not a part of a successful defense. They just made it less crummy. Right? Lots of internal growth still needed and lots of external reinforcements still needed on the end of the floor. Right. And Matherin and Halliburton, funnily enough, had the opposite takes on their own defenses, which was funny. And they were both spot on, by the way. Benedict Matherin says he's got to work on his off ball defense this summer. He's good on the ball. I, I, you know, I think he's fine on the ball and not so good off the ball. And it's good that he recognizes that. And he'll say to watch him, Drew Holiday, right? The perfect guy to watch. You know, Ben has claimed all season he wants to be the best two-way player in the NBA. Totally believe it. That's the goals he set. That's the way he talks. That's the confidence he exudes. He's got to become a team defender if he's going to do that. He gets lasered on the ball more often than he needs to. And it's problematic, and I think he knows that, and fixing that would go a long way for him and staying on the floor and getting more matchups that are important for the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton, on the other hand, said the opposite, and I also agree with him. He said he's good at the team defense stuff, but he's got to get add some strength, right? Be better on the ball. And he, I've talked about this with him a lot, comparing him to other players in this way, but if you are the level of basketball kind of genius that Tyrese Halliburton is, right? You're going to naturally just know where to stand on defense. Like you're going to recognize the patterns of what the other team is doing or what set they're trying to run or where somebody should be or where the opening is because you can see it on offense so well too, right? That's why Ben Simmons, who is this amazing team defender, became a good offensive player for a while, not anymore, because he could read the game in that way, right? That happens all the time. Guys who are geniuses on one end become better at the other. That happened with Sabonis with the Pacers, right? And so I, Halbert is a good team defender. It's how he gets a lot of his steals. It's how he knows where to be. But his on-ball defense needs work. 100% and he's on it. And that is the theme for the Pacers. And so many of these players who went up on the stand today to talk about this past Pacers season, they went 35 and 47. And had they been better on defense, they'd been a much better team because their offense was totally capable, right? Totally capable. But it did not matter at all because they could not stop anybody. And here we are. Pacers ending up with a 26th-ranked defense for the second season in a row, and despite a strong-ish offense, right, basically league average, just shy of it, a little under a half point shy. They were under 500 and headed for seventh in the lottery. Still a lot more to get to the positive side of exit interviews, the good base a lot of the Pacers, coach, coaching staff, and players see from this group from the season and kind of what I talked about in the last segment on yesterday's podcast. We'll get to that in the second segment here today. Before we do that, though, Let's talk about the Game Time app. Buying tickets can be stressful. I used to get them for Purdue basketball games growing up. Big pain. Would go to the stadium, try my best to get them right before the game. Buying tickets for your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast, easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun time you'll have they have flat they'll have some flash deals and last on last minute tickets on game time it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event you can get images of your seat view they have a lowest price guarantee event cancellation protection job loss protection everything you would want they've got it. it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason get images of the seat like i said so you know what you're going to see before you arrive Buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and they're directly to your phone, so you don't have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today. 
And every single day, going to change directions for the second list today. Locked on women's basketball. The draft for the W was last night. Fever make five picks out of the 36 available. Locked on women's basketball. Break down the whole draft, including the Indiana Fever portion, the connected franchise to the Pacers. Uh, also, if I sound a little scatterbrained or all over the place, it's because I covered the Fever draft and X interviews, and I'm on like hour 15 of maybe a 16 or 17 or 18 hour day. And I'm really tired, and I apologize for that. But we push through, continue talking about ex-interviews because no one cares if I'm tired. The second point that I thought was noteworthy from ex-interview day, I said my opinion on this on Monday. Pacers season was successful to me in part because they clearly established a strong base they can build off, right? Here's the foundation. Here's their identity. And here's the two guys that together in Halliburton and Turner really make the thing go. There is a blueprint for success for this team created. And that is the heart. That's a hard part of a rebuild, right? The Rockets are pushing forward as they should because they have a lot of young pieces. But like it's unclear to me what their identity is going to be when they're a good team. And maybe that is formed by new players. But that's a thing that they have to think about. Same for the Spurs. That's not a Rocket specific problem, right? Same for the Hornets. I get a little bit of what they want to do. But like, you know, the, the Wizards, who are even a little better. And some of the teams I just said, what what do they want to be? What is their identity goal? For the Pacers, there's no concern over what they want to be and how they want to do it and who the key cogs on the roster are to make that happen going forward. And I think that is huge and significant. That is a really hard part of team building, right? The Nuggets figured that out with Jokic. It took them a while. They were trying this like Jokic, Nurkic front court and a lot of other guys. Kenneth Freed was on those teams. Like they were trying all this stuff. Ty Lawson, I think, was I don't remember if he overlapped with Jokic, but you, you get the gist that the Nuggets tried to figure out identity stuff, and they were like, oh, man, this Jokic guy is amazing, and then reformed it around him. Like the Pacers in year one of a rebuild figured all that out. Not a knock on any other teams I just mentioned. It's just hard to set that identity and style and base in year one of a build, but the Pacers did it, right? Rick Carlisle mentioned it, that he saw all the growth and – all this coaching staff did all this great stuff and more growth is still needed, he said, but all this stuff culminating in a good base. And that's kind of how Tyrese Halliburton said it too, which is what I thought. He's he's the guy that needs to feel it, right? He is the identity of the team in many ways. And he said, this Pacers team established a good base and they know who they are on offense and they know their identity. And Scott Agnes was asking questions about this. I've referenced this on this podcast before, but you know, a concerning part about last year's Pacers, right? You'd ask two, three players, what's the identity of this team? Get different answers, right? This year, no doubt. Fast, fast, fast. Speed, speed, speed. Daniel Tyson, TJ McConnell talked about that in a unique way that I'll talk about in the second segment, but this team has an identity and it's clear how they're going to build about, build around it. And it's clear that that's a strength of this group. And Halliburton, as a result, likes where this team is going. But a lot of other guys talked about what that base means and how to build off of it, right? They had a lot of guys with great individual success, including Miles Turner, who talked about that individual success. But he, like the rest of the team, wants to prove, and he and I quote, that this isn't a flyover city about the Pacers, right? He referenced old times when coming into Indiana was a tough place to play because of their defense, he wants to build on their team's success, but is still happy with the base that the Pacers established this season. Benedict Matherin, same sort of deal, right? Happy with the base the Pacers said and how he learned about the NBA this season. But also, he said they grabbed a lot of chemistry late in the season that might have been absent at times. They got that. They got that in the last month or so of this campaign and those games that became critically important to his development, to other youngsters' development, and things like that. Buddy Heald likes the base 
for this team. He loves to get up and down. He wants to be in the playoffs next year. And because they have this base in place and this identity, he can succeed and this team can succeed. And for him, the next step beyond many things is when Tyrese Halburn gets a little stronger, he's going to look much better and amplify the core that this group has in place. James Johnson, a key vet, who has always the most interesting things to say. I have a theory that me and Dustin DePerrick were talking about this, a business where James Johnson calls you in the morning and gives you compliments. He'd make a lot of money. Uh, he had a lot of Im- Im- good things to say about this team and where it's headed. And he's been on a lot of teams and some of which, uh, you know, we're not as tight or successful as this one. And he said the Pacers are resilient students of the game. He said the teamwork ethic was great, right? That's really important for a young group to have the right growth mindset about learning, about soaking stuff in. And to that end, I wanted to ask a lot of guys about Rick Carlisle, right? Because before the season, I think it was at Jalen Smith's introductory presser, not, not introductory, like for the first time, introductory as in he signed his contract this year presser. When Carlisle was talking about something he's looking forward to this season being learning and teaching moments in one-on-one situations. He loves that stuff. He absolutely loves that stuff, right? He got a lot of chances to do that. And I asked a lot of young guys about it and they all said, yeah, you know, that was fantastic for me that he did that and spent the time to do that. And you listen when a coach like Rick does that and, you know, Jalen and Isaiah and Jordan Wara and all these guys I asked about it said the same thing. And that's another part of this Pacers base is they have a coach who is willing to invest one-on-one time with young players and loves those moments, but also is a skilled tactician and well-respected around the league in a way that allows these guys to get better as well. And speaking of Jordan Wara, beyond those Rick Carlisle things, right? something key for him was, and another part of this team's base is, their culture is really strong. Beyond the way they play and their identity, they're a close group. And Jordan Wara kind of explained, right, we're all around the same age, which is important. And Wara was joking because a couple of days ago we were asking him about being the oldest starter on the team for the last couple of games. But they are, in fact, all around the same age, even though 24-year-old Jordan Wara is their oldest starter. But they all have the same interests, right? They all like to eat the same, go to the same places, eat together, all this stuff, and do the same things. That makes you tight as a group, not even just on the basketball floor. But in general, and that was big for him, right? Coming from Milwaukee, where I don't think he said that that wasn't the case there, but it was just different, right? A lot of different ages. And I know George Hill came in the Pacers Bucks trade as well, ironically, but like George Hill was there, Giannis, Middleton, Drew, they're older, right? The young guys in Milwaukee were basically just Jordan Wara and Marjan Bochamp this year. And now Wara's not even there. So it's just different. And that is more evidence to what I'm talking about here is everybody was talking about how what's being built here. You know, the situation they have with a staff and players and identity and culture and just a group that's fun to be around is really important for this team going forward, right? It can be hard to show up every day and give it your all if it's not fun or if you don't agree with how things are going or all sorts of any problems that anyone has in a workplace. And yes, these are millionaires, but you know, the fact that it is set up so well for the future from both a success standpoint and a culture standpoint, and to me, this was so huge watching this team last year. An identity standpoint, I think, is very important for the Pacers team, and it will be critical for their success next year. Right? If they make some misstep moves that disrupt their culture, or they find a player who doesn't fit their identity, or someone who just doesn't get along with the rest of the group off the floor, it's going to subtract from something strong that they built this year. And I think that's going to be important stuff for this team to consider as they navigate the draft free agency and all that kind of stuff. The last takeaway from X interviews is what I'm calling the slush bucket of everything else. The stuff that I heard that I went, oh, interesting. And I wanted to type it in my notes and call it out because, like I said, some of the stuff can be pretty cookie cutter, you know, kind of things. But there's always a lot of not cookie cutter stuff that I think 
is exceedingly noteworthy. And you'll get to hear it all in the final segments. You don't have to go listen to, good Lord, has to be an hour and a half, two hours of interviews from exit interview day before we close out today's show. I got to talk to you guys about Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy tonight. What do you think? LeBron James, playing game, more or less than seven and a half rebounds. Kevin Durant, more or less than six and a half assists. That's Prize Picks. Pick two to six players where they score more or less in their Prize Picks projections. You can up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's not you against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. And they offer projections on any sport you watch NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever. They've got it. Entries can be made in a minute or less. It's easy, it's safe, there's fast withdrawals, and it's operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Price Picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, Price Picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Big news is in the NBA that I didn't talk about for your second listen yesterday. Coaching changes. It's coming. Rockets already did it. Silas is out there. Uh, Locked On Rockets for the latest on their coaching search. Uh, Locked On Pistons. For the from Kuka Hill about the Pistons coaching searches, Dwayne Casey gets promoted into the front office. Where could they be headed going forward? What candidates make sense? Could Frank Vogel, an ex Pacers coach, be back in the mix for one of those teams? Let's talk about the slop, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, lots of stuff was said on X interview day that revealed a lot to me or was interesting. Like a lot of times, you ask a guy. What skills are you going to work on this offseason? And you get the answer you expect, but it, and that's good to hear it on the record and it's worth asking, but it may not be the big headline news thing or something noteworthy or perk your ear up kind of that is interesting. And there's a lot of interesting stuff that comes instead of those cookie cutter answers that I want to talk about today that someone said that I thought was noteworthy at X interview day. Let's get through all of it, starting with one of those questions I just talked about. What are you going to work on and try to improve in the offseason? Aaron Neesmith, going the unconventional round. He talked about his 3 and D skills in his exit interview, but he said ball handling, improving on defense, and moving his feet quicker. Love that answer because that's the exact stuff that I would have thought he needed to get better at, but not the conventional kind of answer to that question. If he can move his feet faster, he could probably guard one through four next season. And, of course, if he could shoot better, that'd be great. But improving his ball handling, being a two-dribbler player, two-dribble player, just to make moves off of shot fakes and closeouts and things like that. That'll go a long way for him. I really thought that that answer was revealing about what kind of player he wants to be and how he wants to get there. Benedict Matherin had something that made my ears perk up. He said, he's always hard on himself and he didn't accomplish what he wanted to this season. I thought, wow, he had a really good rookie season. What did he not accomplish? Well, beyond winning and things like that, he said he wanted to play harder in some games, right? His goal is to play hard every game. He had some games he didn't feel like he played hard enough. I mean, that's just like, the perfect thing you want to hear if you're a fan of Benedict Matherin is that that's where he felt like he felt short of his goals this season was not playing hard enough in every game. And, you know, some of that was soreness that he mentioned and he had to take care of his body and he learned about playing through an 82 game season and the ups and downs of it, but wants to play harder every game. And I think that is exceedingly noteworthy for a rookie to say after their first season, this was something that I thought was absolutely fascinating. Daniel Tyson, TJ McConnell, sharing a similar tidbit unintentionally. Daniel Tice, who only played seven games, was talking about how I think he was referencing conversations he had maybe with former Celtics teammates. I'm not sure if it was the Celtics or any team or 
former teammates that are elsewhere. But you know, he's talking about how other people around the league talking about the Pacers said, I, I put this in quotes, so impossible to scout you guys. You play so fast, right? The Pacers style with this run up and down the floor and try to grab the ball when it goes out of bounds and run in transition off of every miss and let's go, 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 go. You can prep to play fast, but it's really hard to find everybody when they're filling their lanes in transition and figure out where Tyrese Halliburton's throwing the ball. And, oh, my God, here he comes again, and he might shoot. And it's just exhausting. And it's really hard to scout and prep for that because a lot of it is determined by your own makes and misses. If you make a lot of shots, the Pacers can't play in transition as much. That's huge, right? And I thought that was really noteworthy that Daniel Tice, is about my computer, said something to the effect of it's hard to scout the Pacers with the style that they currently have. And TJ McConnell said, very similarly, teams didn't like playing against us for how fast we play, right? He said, quote, if you don't have your running shoes on, it's going to be a long night for you against us. And so I think that something I said last segment, the Pacer identity is so important. Not only is it important for them, it's kind of tricky to defend on a night-to-night basis. And I think that's important. I think that's key for this team to continue to grow that identity because they have the players to do it. But I never thought of what that looked like for opponents. And that was really interesting and something the Pacers can build on going forward because it's not like that just magically becomes easier. Sure, you can be more prepared to run, but if you miss shots as a Pacers opponent, you got to sprint back, you got to find your guy. And Tyrese Halliburton still might throw a pass over your head or right behind you and get a bucket. Uh, Jordan Wara got on the list for something interesting said. He said he wants to improve his conditioning. That was interesting and not when I expected. I never felt like he was out of shape. Always is good when you can play more minutes or play more minutes at a high level. And again, he was above expectations, I thought, for the Pacers after being traded to the franchise. But you know, if you're better conditioned, it's easier to play hard on defense every possession and still come down and do your thing on offense or you know do a little bit more effort-wise on offense and still have the energy to do it again next time. And you know he, he was more stationary as an offensive player, at least, with the Bucks than he was with the Pacers. But that was a noteworthy answer to me, that he wants to work on his conditioning. That's a rare answer, especially for a healthy player, right? Not a guy who's injury-prone. They say they want to work on conditioning in their body. Credit to Jordan War. I'll be curious how that helps him next season. George Hill. We'll talk about this on a show later this week. I'll give you the outline of this week's shows uh, later in the episode. George Hill, talking about his future, referenced a Udonis Haslam-like role, hopefully, him with the Pacers, he said. Um, thought that was a perfect way to put it, especially after Haslam's final game. Check out Lockdown Heat, final home game in the regular season. <laughs> Hilarious how often the Heat were letting him shoot, but that's a good role for a guy like George Hill who has a ton of connections to the city and the franchise and is now back where he wanted to be post-trade deadline. Again, we'll have something later on what he said and all the Pacers in pen, upcoming excuse me, free agents on Thursday's Lockdown Pacers. Tyrese Halberton said, yes, he has, in fact, thought about his contract extension. He is eligible this summer, hasn't really had a ton of talks with the team yet. But now, on July 1st, he becomes eligible for a contract extension. Look, I want to do a whole show on that because it's going to be a big deal. It might be the story of the Pacers' summer if they get it done. Um, the current rules say they could give him a five-year max and put escalators in it. That means he gets 30% of the max if he hits certain thresholds or reaches certain awards, and that's all great. And the Pacers should be offering that on day one of the period they're allowed to extend him. But there's a new CBA coming, and I'm not sure how that's going to impact extensions and rookie extensions and all that sort of stuff. So I am withholding that until that information is known or if it's known that the extension rules will not necessarily change this summer. 
In short, Tyrese Halliburton's going to get paid. <laughs> and he's thought about it. He knows it's coming. All that's important. But he also, I mentioned this in, the, in an earlier segment, talked about adding strength, right? And doesn't want to miss, hates missing games and adding strength can help him not be injured as much or uh, guard his own man better. The, the skill he talked about wanting to improve and just in general being a better finisher, right? All sorts of benefits from adding strength so long as it doesn't take away from his jump shot. I think that is important for him to work on. I think he's spot on on that one. Uh, Kendall Brown, who we have not heard from in forever. It's February surgery for him. Exactly six weeks. He said he's feeling great. Doing a little bit of running and lifting and getting to on-court work soon-ish. Uh, he learned a lot about just general NBA habits this year, but didn't get to play all that much, right? Tough tough for him to go through all the injuries that he did and only play in, I think, six games for the Pacers and something like 15 for the Mad Ants. So we'll see what his future holds. I asked him about free agency. Again, you'll hear about that later this week wouldn't surprise me if the Pacers wanted him back um but again we'll detail that later in the week the last thing here Rick Carlisle who said quote the team will look different next year there's no question about that he went on to cite uh the fact that the Pacers have some free agents and draft picks and all sorts of stuff they have to decide but look this will be a podcast for next week I keep referencing future shows but there's so much to talk about for this team in the offseason the math is simple. The Pacers have a lot of cap space to add players and a lot of draft picks to add players and three free agents. <laughs> so they're going to either be wheeling and dealing players or wheeling and dealing picks. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it all gets sorted out. Speaking of picks, I talked about the Pacers draft stuff a little bit yesterday where all their picks will be or could land or uh, what they'll be hoping for. I wrote a whole story for it. So it's all listed out, bullet points of what the Pacers will hope for, both in the random drawings and the lottery coming up uh, in the next six weeks or so when all that happens on uh, Pacers SI, if you want to check that out. Also, the Fever Draft was last night. I wrote a story on that at the next, if you want to check that out. Aliyah Boston is in Indiana. Tyrese Halliburton, very congratulatory of that pick. She's going to be fantastic as a player uh podcast planning tomorrow we'll be talking about stuff kevin pritchard said at his press conference on tuesday uh what that could mean for the pacers summer what it signals what it doesn't signal all sorts of interesting stuff from that thursday uh one of the more popular shows every year what pacers players said about their free agency at x interviews put the audio right in the episode i'll talk about what players said what i think could happen for that player in free agency friday I'll have a guest to digest this whole Pacers season and kind of wind it down. And then next week, we'll pivot into more off-season mode. I want to do something on what the Pacers need to watch for in the playoffs. So get ready for all that stuff. There's a lot of off-season content here to come on Locked on Pacers. Thank you guys so much for listening today. If you have any questions about anything, I'm on Twitter at TEastNBA. And this show is at Locked on Pacers. Hope you all had a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.